With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Reporting is Eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. They're a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I make a pot of their Packerland breakfast blend just about every morning. I also have a very large bag of the barrel-aged coffee that I enjoy on the weekends. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% and you will support the show. Once again, that's appletoncoffee.com, code RAE at checkout. Hey everybody, welcome to Reporting is Eligible. Um, it's the, coming off the bye week. we got the Bears coming up. The Bears are just uh, just a travesty of a football team. And uh, we'll preview them a little bit later. We'll get to that. There's not a ton to preview because this is the uh, the Packers are the biggest favorites of the year uh, for any of their opponents so far this year uh, because the Bears are just so beat up. So before we do that, we teased this a bit last week. Um, we're going to do a little draft of our... Not just our favorite Packer Bear moments, but our favorite moments of the Packers embarrassing the Bears in some capacity. Um, just thought it would be fun. This podcast is really founded on bashing the Bears. It's kind of the raison d'etre for the whole thing. Um, if you're a frequent listener, you know about Mitch Trubisky and David Montgomery ripping. Um, so anyway, to, to help with the draft, because you can't do a draft with just me, uh, first of all, our, as usual, in urban Wauwatosa, we have... Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, Paul, I, first of all, d- disagree with you. I feel like you could do just a draft with you. I I, th- I have a feeling <laughs> you have a lot of banked, you know, my guess is your draft board is like maybe dozens of possible entries long. So I, I, know- I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. I have 14. You only get three picks, Paul. I have 14 tabs picks. open on my computer. My biggest problem is going to be finding the correct one when I actually get up to pick. So. Yeah. yeah, your your love of the Chicago Bears highly well documented on this podcast. I, I eagerly dis- look forward to discussing it with you. <laughs> All right, and uh, Matt is out this week, unfortunately, but helping us out uh, is the host of Acme Packing Company's "I Love Gold" podcast. Joining us for the first time, what's up? I am Tyler Brook. Uh, I have big shoes to fill with Matub. That is very unfortunate. I did not come prepared with any puns or anything like that. I did come with a little fun stat. Uh, definitely didn't do this last minute. Uh, in the 58 Packers Bears games in my lifetime, the Packers have only lost 14 of those, which I thought was pretty great. That's actually amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is such a small number. Um, I, I have I have been to I counted up 12 Packer Bear games, and I have seen only two Packer losses in those in those. And uh, one of them was pretty modern. One of them was a Jim Miller team. Um, and they won on, I think, a missed Ryan Longwell field goal. Um, and then one of them was back at County Stadium, so that barely counts. Um, like, that's not even real football. Um, so, so uh, really quick, I did run off a few stats uh, I want to run through just to set sort of the tone for the draft before we jump in. By the way, JR has the number one pick, basically, because I wanted to yes. make sure he got one that I didn't steal from him. Um, although, I have, a th- I have a feeling you might not take it, so we'll see. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't even want the number one pick, because there's some obvious ones. It's like... Uh... 
you know, like a predictable movie. You got to get through a couple of the big hits before you get to the fun, nuanced stuff. So, unfortunately, I I, I would rather wait, lie and wait. You're gonna we'll pa- you're gonna pass. I'll, I'll go first. No, I'm not gonna pass. I'm not the Vikings. <laughs> My God. All right. So, really quick, I did run off all of the um, Packers career leaders against the Bears um, in all major statistical categories. So, the single game record for uh, receiving in a game is actually Boyd Dollar, who did, who. Uh, caught 182 yards on December 15th of 1968, which is an interesting game too because that is the Bart Starr era, and Bart Starr was injured for that game. His backup was Zeke Bradkowski. He got injured very early in the game after throwing just one pass. So third-string quarterback Don Horn ended up playing in that game, and uh, Green Bay had a barn-burning 28-27 win on those 182 Boyd Dollar receiving yards. So good for Don Horn, who uh, who got some playing time and made the most of it. So that's I actually have that jersey in my closet. <laughs> the Don Horn jersey. <laughs> Boy Dollar, very underrated of the uh, the Super Bowl era, you know, the first Super Bowl era Packers. We don't yep. talk about him that much. We also don't talk about the fact that the Packers were, I mean, understandably, Bart Starr is legendary, but like the passing attack was so advanced compared to most teams in the NFL at that point. And Boy Dollar was a big recipient for a lot of those. Yep. Um, and uh, then... Then I screwed up the rundown because I have who the rushing yard leader is, but forgot to put the number of rushing yards that he got. So I will look that up later on. But um, the most rushing yards in a game was Amon Green uh, in 2003 in September in a 38-23 Packer win, which was also a fun game because Niall Diggs had two interceptions in that game, which linebackers don't usually do. <laughs> um, also, Niall Diggs, good player. Um, one of the better Packer linebackers, actually. Just didn't burned bright, but not very long. Um the most passing yards in a game, you won't be surprised, is Brett um, with 402 in 1993. <laughs> but in true Brett form, the Packers lost that game 30-17 to <laughs> because Brett threw three interceptions as he is wont to do. So That um, might have been the first loss of the Tyler Tyler era. I'm not sure precisely <laughs> when, when you were born, Tyler, but that's that the is. There. I was July 1993, so that is the first <laughs> loss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brett yes. got your first pair of loss. That's sad. <laughs> Um, uh, in happier news, most passing touchdowns by a Packer quarterback against the Bears is Aaron Rodgers, who threw six touchdowns against them in 2014 in November. Um, most sacks against the Bears, which is a stat that, of course, is only kept until 1982 officially, um, and I did not do the work to dig up old games, which they now have, it was KGB, who got four um, in 2005 in a 31-14 win. KGB actually has a lot of good Bear highlights. Too bad he is a weird psychopath now. Uh, I actually learned that like a week ago. I was talking about how much I love KGB, and someone's mm-hmm. like, "Well, do you know what he's about now?" I was like, "I do. I want to know." But Tub was like, "You don't. Look you don't want to know. And you I, really don't." I looked. I looked it up. I made the mistake. Makes me a little sad. Yeah, KGB is actually a scary guy that we should all yep. steer clear of. So, <laughs> very open about it. We'll talk about it at length. He's we we did. I think the Green Bay Press Gazette did a pretty in depth profile of him a couple yeah, of years ago. They really. Did. In- I mean, I, I, it's not great, but it's also kind of fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's strange. So. It's, it's one of those stories that you can make a podcast out of. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, last but not least, before we get into the draft. So um, interceptions. There's a lot of guys with two interceptions in a game against the Bears because the Bear quarterbacks throw lots of interceptions. Uh, so that list inclu- includes Herb Adderley, Morgan Burnett, Ha Clinton Dix, Nick Collins, Johnny Gray, Doug Hart, Tim Lewis, Mike McKenzie, Bryce Pop, all pretty good players, by the way. Darnell Savage, Teron Williams, Willie Wood. But the real answer for the guy who has the most interceptions in a single game is Mark Lee, um, who has picked off the Bears twice in a game, twice, 
once in November of 1981 in a 21-17 win, and once in November of 1986 in a just pathetic 12-10 loss um, where the Packers uh, gave up a safety and then on the free kick um, gave up a, I think, a return touchdown immediately to go down 10 nothing, and then nothing else happened the whole game. So um, just a travesty of football. But uh, <laughs> Mark Lee is like the best cornerback of the 80s for the Packers by far. One of the best players of the 80s for the Packers. Um, a fantastic corner on, on just a, a terrible, terrible team uh, at the time. So let's let's get to it. So um, we're doing the snake draft style. Um, I actually did do it randomly. I actually did it randomly last week and I uh, just subbed in Tyler for Matt. So uh, JR's got first pick. I got second. Uh, and then Tyler's got two in a row. So, um, Jared, you want to kick this off? All right. Well, like I said, you got to you got to play the hits if you're going to do this. And uh, I look over on my wall here. There's a there's a headline. Supersized is the headline. Uh, this this podcast is built on the brand of of anti bear sentiment. I am also personally built on the brand of celebrating big big people when big people do amazing things. <laughs> it doesn't get more amazing than a pick six in the NFC championship game from a defensive tackle who dropped into coverage. And that of course is BJ Raji ah, after so the good. 2010 season. Early 2011 BJ Raji, the pick six of Caleb Haney, Bears third string quarterback. Uh you you mentioned the uh the Packers third string quarterback shining. Uh Caleb Haney and the game was not over. I think I think most of us, myself included, remember that as sort of the moment you knew the Packers were going to go to the Super Bowl, which which they did. Obviously, you have the uh, the added prestige of a Bears Packers NFC Championship game, first time with those stakes that the two teams had met in their close to 100 years of rivalry at that point. I think we actually just crossed 100 years either this year or last year. Uh, but uh, you know, it doesn't get better than than the big fella picking off Caleb Haney, driving to the house. 13 yards or whatever it was doing, doing a dance, a, a really questionable dance uh, in terms of, in terms of legendary, style legendary, legendary dance. at the same legendary time. Legendary dance. Oh, wonderful. I mean, and the headline supersized uh, in the Milwaukee journal Sentinel was, uh, was just uh, chef's kiss. It was perfect. So uh, yeah, anytime, anytime the big fellows get the ball in their hands, anytime they score a touchdown and anytime they do it in an NC championship game, check every box and uh, and that's the one you got to start with the uh, with that particular win the the greatest the greatest win in the Packers Bears rivalry I had actually forgotten that um Todd Collins played in that game and, very briefly it yeah very did briefly not go well and, and also was awful and got hurt and threw an interception so um and, and you no know, I don't even did he get hurt I don't even remember him getting was hurt. he just, I just bad remember him being yeah, he had two drives I want to say and they were so they went absolutely nowhere and I believe the rule is was you activate your third stringer, you essentially burn oh, yeah. your second stringer. That's like you right. can't have Todd Collins come back in. Now I don't know if that's. Mm, I shouldn't. I, yeah, not 100 emergency clear. quarterback rules were weird and not long lived. And I think it was you couldn't bring any quarterback back um, when you activated your third stringer. That could it was be super odd. Yeah, yeah. and I, I do not know if that was the case in that game. Because wasn't that the game where Jay Cutler was just moping on the sidelines and everybody was like, "Why doesn't he go back in?" Yeah, everyone thought he just had a bad attitude when in reality he was really, really hurt. Uh, he has the same face for all occasions, and that worked worked to his detriment in the eyes of fans. But uh, um, Caleb Haney did then, you know, I believe it's Earl Bennett who catches the touchdown thereafter to make it a one-score game again. I mean, it did require some, some more defensive action at the end of the game. It wasn't like they were close, but I do think people forget how tense that game got down the stretch with a Super Bowl berth on the line, but... You know, I don't know about anybody else, but like when as soon as BJ Raji had the ball in his hands, <laughs> you, it, I, I guess I guess it I guess he could have been tackled. But like in my mind's eye, I see it's like that's a pick six. 
they're going to the Super Bowl. I remember just standing up being like, they're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. As BJ Raji is gloriously running down the side. Oh, it's wonderful. Wonderful time. It was. And that was it. It was also, I remember my immediate reaction was, is it Raji? Because I he is such a freak athlete for a giant man that uh, mm-hmm. if, if anybody else on the D-line was dropping into coverage, I was like, well, they're probably going to not make it. But when I saw it was Raji, it was like, no, no, nobody's catching him. And if they do, they'll bounce right <laughs> off. So, um, <laughs> bounce right off. Yep. And just one yeah, of those I- huge lucky moments. I mean, the Packers probably don't win the Super Bowl if that particular play doesn't happen. Uh, and uh, you don't get defensive linemen pick sixes that often. <laughs> no. And I, I mean, I think you don't even it doesn't even dawn on you right away. Like, wait, why was he in coverage? What was going on there that they thought that was a good idea? But uh, um, he, I think that was explained a little bit later why they why they went with that. They went with that. And it's a shame his career ended early. You know, like he he obviously, you know, he ends up retiring super young, but I, you know, like you're also never going to top that moment. There's, there's nothing you're going to be able to do. You'll always be associated with the Super Bowl. So, you know, in some ways it's like, what else, what else is there? You know, you got a ring and you're the, one of the reasons you got it. So congrats to BJ Raji. All right. Congrats to BJ Raji for leading being the number one overall pick. Yeah. Number one pick. There you go. All right. I'm going to go a little obscure for the second pick, not super obscure, but uh, this is one I fondly remember because a lot of interesting things happen. So um, my pick is from the uh, 1994 season and Halloween um, in Soldier yes. Field. Uh, the Bears decided on this Monday night, on actual Halloween, that they were going to honor Dick Butkus and Gail Sayers at halftime. Uh, I think retire numbers. Uh, but everybody showed up for that game, and it was a lot like the, the Buffalo-New England game from last night. Uh, there were 55-mile-hour winds. It was, it was just uh, raining torrentially the whole game. And so it was just a complete washout from a bear perspective. Um, they had that ceremony at halftime with them just getting drenched and no one able to hear them. And it's nice when, you know, honors are ruined. Um, that's, uh, that's fun. But aside from that, nobody could pass in this game. So it was very, very similar to how the game went last night. And uh, Edgar Bennett and Brett Favre turned into rushing stars for a game, uh, which is very, very unusual for, for Brett. But uh, Brett Favre's line in this game it was 6 of 15 for 82 yards and a touchdown passing. So it completed six passes the whole game. Um, the Bears were behind most of the game, so we had to pass quite a bit more. But split time between Eric Kramer and Steve Walsh, because they're the Bears and they can never have a quarterback who's any good. Um, <laughs> they threw 21 passes, but for, for, for 174 yards, mostly coming back. Um, Steve Walsh did throw an interception. But Brett Favre had two carries for 58 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> Edgar Bennett had 26 carries for 105, two touchdowns, uh, one catch for 13 yards and another touchdown, a rare Edgar Bennett three-touchdown game. Because, let's be honest, Edgar Bennett, not a great pl- not a great player, uh, a, a game player, a fun guy, smart guy, but not a great running back. Um, and R- Reggie Cobb, sh- briefly with the Packers, chipped in another 54 yards and another rushing touchdown. So the Packers had over 200 yards rushing and four rushing touchdowns. The only passing touchdown was that Ed- Edgar Bennett fifth touchdown, so... Uh, it was running backs and, and quarterbacks accounting for all five touchdowns in just destroying the Bears on the ground in in mud. Also, you know, Soldier Field when it's raining, especially back then, is like the worst field in sports by far. And Bears were just slipping and sliding all over it, and the Packers just seemed to be able to stay up. So it was a phenomenal display of power football that just destroyed what was supposed to be a special night for Chicago. And I love it for that. Back in the day when, you know, we had fullbacks, you know, my brand, I just, I love the fullback position. <laughs> it's, it's dying away. It makes me so sad, but 
Uh, just those old days of the Packers with guys like William Henderson, just very fond memories for me. You know, that's the second year in a row they play on Halloween, the Bears Packers. Yep. Of course, this one in prime time. And in a way, a uh, you know, the Bears sort of get their long, long game vengeance in 2015 when the when the Packers bring back Brett Favre on Thanksgiving, right? That's uh, that's the with, with all three quarterbacks. Do I have that was the Bears that night, right? I think it was. Um, yeah, yeah. Pretty sure. Uh, and, and it just a, a, an atrocity of a game uh, that ends up the, that the Packers end up losing to the Bears at Lambeau Field. It just just an absolute downpour, disgusting, disgusting weather situation again. So uh, several, you know, a couple couple decades have gone by. So yeah. it's maybe maybe not quite no. the. Uh, the inaction of vengeance but, also uh, but yeah out of this game edgar bennett developed a reputation for being good in the mud and uh people talked about it for years after this i have no idea if he ever played another game in the mud <laughs> but whenever like any rain fell at all people would mention oh it's edgar bennett's time to shine and it probably was once in a while but uh but not often all right anyway that game was, I, I recommend checking out highlights from that one um just to see how what bad the weather was but let's move on tyler what do you got I don't have a game for my first pick. Uh, instead, I I don't know if this is allowed, but I really want it. Uh, is it a quote? Cutler. It's just Jay Cutler. <laughs> Almost a quote. Yeah, you can do that. That's fine. Perfect. I just the entire time of my lifetime of watching the Jay Cutler era in Chicago was quite a sight to behold. No matter how well he was playing, even during the Adam Gase stretch, it always just seemed like this man had something about throwing interceptions and getting sacked by Green Bay Packers players in 13 career games against the Packers. He went two and 11 with 16 touchdowns, 22 interceptions, 38 sacks, and a constant attitude. And same let me tell Jay. you, same old Jay. Same old Jay. Uh, there was a stretch of time in high school where I would print out photos of smoking Jay Cutler memes <laughs> and post them in random places. Never got tired of that. So you, you really know, are like Matub. You really are the appropriate. You're like the analog version of Matub. That's great. <laughs> uh, the analog <laughs> version of Matub. Uh, Matub both infuriates me and has a you know a solid place in my heart. So I, I think that's a compliment. But also, how dare you? I, I think it sounds, I have no idea. Sounds about right. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going with Jay Cutler there just because man, what a run that guy had against the Packers. When he retired, I formed up, formulated an entire thank you letter for him. Just. What a guy. Yeah. And uh, I think it, it's nice also because I think when they made the Cutler trade, uh, the big assumption was that they'd done really well and that they actually had a good quarterback for the first time um, since Sid Luckman, which is what we always say with the Bears. And that was uh, even kind of true because he is the best Bear quarterback since Sid Luckman, but still just found multiple ways to melt down against Green Bay every single time, just in hilarious ways. And aside from Jay's going to throw it to us, um, he also threw the worst Hail Mary I've ever seen anybody throw, I, I think, in a game we might mention later, so I won't give that away. Um, and, and just generally, like, just looking like Richie Tenenbaum all the time, just half-pressed on the sideline. Like, he kind of he's talented but doesn't care. Love, love Jay Cutler. It's a great pick. I have one more fun fact about him. He actually beat my high school in the state championship. Ooh, wow. Uh, in heartbreaking fashion. So uh, another just reason to not like Jay Cutler. He's just kind of been around <laughs> my entire lifetime. Very strange. I feel. I wonder if Sid Luckman pops a, a glass of champagne every time it's apparent that the next Bears quarterback <laughs> is not going to be as good as Sid oh, Luckman. Like the '72 geez. Dolphins, you know, just like oh, another another quarterback. 
Ain't gonna, ain't gonna catch me. We can still talk about me for the next generation. It's great. The Justin Fields has got to be making him nervous, though. That's uh, that's a that, uh, could be, not, that could be the one. Not too nervous. I just I dropped in a fun fact that I now is an appropriate time to mention. Um, since you mentioned that, um, in uh, 1943 to 1947, Sid Luckman averaged 189.5 passing yards a game, and uh, this year, um. Matt Nagy's passing offense averages 173.8 passing yards a game. So they're literally less efficient than the 1940s Bears at passing right now under Fields and Dalton. So um, Sid, uh, Sid's not threatened at the moment, that's for sure. By the way, I want to be clear. I know Sid Luckman's been dead for a long time. Yeah. I, I, I guess I meant in a, in a divine me, me, sense, metaphorical some sense. champagne. Yes, I mean, most of the 72 Dolphins are dead at this point. So. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. There's a couple still around. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah. All right, Tyler, you have back-to-backs. This is a snake draft, so I hope you're prepared. Oh, yeah, fantastic. So I do have a game for this one. I really just wanted to get Jay Cutler out of the way. I oh, mean, yeah. That was my number. That was If I had picked first overall, that's who I would have taken. Uh, second pick, I am going with the 2018 season opener. Um, for a couple of reasons, if you recall, this is the game where Aaron Rodgers goes down with a knee injury, gets oh, yeah. carted off the field. Uh, it's Khalil Mack's first game in Chicago. He becomes a game wrecker. Um, I'm living in Chicago at the time. I am getting texts from everyone at halftime about ha 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 ha. Rogers comes back out, leads an incredible comeback win. Uh, so the two reasons why I'm picking this: number one, the post game press conference. The you know what went wrong? My knee. Just <laughs> I, I'll never get that out of my head. Um, he could have been on painkillers. We're not sure. To be determined. Wait, wait How to, dare we speculate? Way to avoid liability. <laughs> yeah you know you never know he was from what I've he was heard. immunized to pain <laughs> oh no the second the second point i do have for why i wanted to pick this was if you guys have ever seen the video of the bears fan kid that's live reacting to this uh, and then randall cobb catches that pass where he has like 60 yards after the catch for a touchdown and the kid's just crying oh no it's randall cobb again <laughs> I saw that for the first I'm time today cry. that is hilarious Probably, you probably posted it. That's probably why. <laughs> uh, I think of every time Randall Cobb catches a pass, I just think of that kid going, it's Randall Cobb again. So just uh, <laughs> both of those, like that game holds a special place in my heart. And again, just getting to stick it to all my friends uh, in Chicago. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Were your friends texting haha as well after that season when essentially the Packers and Bears traded safeties, haha Clinton Dix and Adrian Amos and Bears fans felt they got the better end of that deal? Uh, Bears fans in my office were telling me that losing Adrian Amos and Bryce Callahan and replacing them with haha Clinton Dix and Buster Screen was not only fine, but in fact, an upgrade. An upgrade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of that too. That is. That- <laughs> That is uh, I just sat there and you can so you yep. can tell who the better analysts are, by the way, by um, by how you treat the guy that's leaving and, and coming in. Um, and Packer fans didn't like haha at the end of his tenure, even on the team. They're like, no, he's bad. Whereas Bear fans weren't ripping Adrian Amos until he was out the door. And then it turned into goodbye. We don't like you. So um, that was that was fun. I like that trade. That trade will always make me happy. Adrian Amos <laughs> is like uh basically never had a bad season uh, if he plays like this for like three or four more years we'll be like a borderline hall of fame level player really yeah um the, oh i love him he does everything well yep the, the amount of value he puts up consistently is like off the charts good he's really 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 good um 
And I, I remember everybody ripping his athleticism when that trade happened too. I remember especially how how Marcus who was always on the score and used to run fo- pro, pro football weekly with Wayne Larravee, um, tweeted that Haha was the better athlete. That's that's not true. Like Adrian Amos <laughs> has a higher RAS, has always been more athletic, even despite being a larger player um, than Haha. I don't know where people got the idea Haha was a good athlete. He was he was barely over the three cone threshold for the Packers when they drafted him, and uh, was always a questionable pick in the first place. No, anyway. This isn't about haha, although all, all of our podcast is about haha to some extent. Um, oh, oh, uh, so I'm up next, and I forgot to mention something important about my Halloween game, which is that that game is also famous for a field, a field goal or an extra point. I guess extra points where a, a bear fan jumps out of the stands. What? Oh, that's that game. What? That's it, that yeah, game. Into the aisle, like between, behind the field goal post and catches the ball. Um <laughs> Which is like the highlight everybody plays from that game. So yes, that is that legendary game too. Legendary clip. Yeah, legendary clip. Did not die. Amazingly. This. Oh, you got to find it. It's it's. I I can't believe they let it happen. I think they changed the netting rules after this. Like the oh, guy jumped like video. 15, 20 feet. Like should have gotten hurt, <laughs> but was fine. Especially in that weather. Like I don't equate those two things. The Halloween game. And I that. think that's I, right. That's I could a- be wrong. Um, I. I will double check, but I, if I recall, he did get hurt, but it was minor, you know, like it was a minor injury he walked away or whatever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that clip lives forever. I mean, you see it, yeah. I guess you don't see it anymore, but definitely for a while there, that was, that was playing for years after that. Yes. indeed. Okay. So it went over the net. I'm looking. I mean, it's really quite extraordinary yeah. on the fans part. Like shout, <laughs> nice out, catch, shout yeah. out to that guy. Shout out to that guy. Oh my, oh my I- Oh my God! <laughs> How does he not break his ankle? That's really not safe. Yeah, like I said, I well, I, I, I again, I don't know this off the top of so my head. So since you're watching it, can, with... can, you, can you confirm or not confirm that it is part of that game? Do you have the date of the game on that clip? Oh geez, I was I, trying to pull uh, it up, but I can't. It says find 1995. It. So no. Oh no, that's not. About... That was not. So okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. Regardless, because that guy looked like he was going to die. Yeah, I don't remember. I feel yeah, like sorry, I my game was ninety. My game was ninety four. So never mind. Right. Yeah. All right. I feel like I remember the rain falling. All right. If, uh... Never mind. All right, Paul. Still you're a fun up. One. You're up. It's, it's still it's still worth mentioning. Yes. We, we'll have some honorable mentions, I'm sure. Yes, indeed. So, okay, uh, so this one actually did happen. Um, this one happened on September 11th, 1995, in a 27-24 win, uh, which was Brett Favre to Robert Brooks for 99 yards and a touchdown mm, uh, a and the definitive play in the game when i believe the only 99 yard touchdown in the history of the franchise um and uh, also notable because while robert brooks was a a good receiver who played for a while and and a fast receiver he's not one of the fastest guys like ever to play for the team or anything he was a a modicum you know a medium fast receiver and just managed to absolutely torch janelle wolford um who was not a fast d- defensive back um and it kind of kept the same like the same amount of distance between him and Wolford the whole way. But just a great play. I don't know what the Bears thought they were doing, keeping so many safeties in the box, but Favre read it and hit him directly in stride. And uh, a, a good Bear call, too. I urge everybody to go listen to it on YouTube of just, just sadness. And, uh, <laughs> and, and like an important play, too. The, the Packers don't win without it. They're buried at the one-yard line. Um, and an amazing throw and catch from, from uh, Favre to Brooks. Uh, did Robert Brooks, I believe, fashion a hip hop career after he was done playing for the Packers? I believe that's true. Um, not only is it true, true. Uh, I, I know we covered this on the uh, the parody song podcast that we did so many years ago. But, that's right. Uh, Robert Brooks has a hip hop career where he also um, throws shade at Leroy Butler 
uh, as the true inventor of the Lambo leap, which Robert Brooks ah. uh, believes himself to be. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm learning a lot today, guys. I'm really happy I joined. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there is there is a little bit of ground there because the game in uh, late 1993 against the Raiders, where Leroy Butler jumps into the stands, that is you know not an intentional thing. It was a it was a momentum situation. Reggie, of course, famously laterally laterals him the ball, and he just kind of carries his momentum in. Freezing cold game, one of the coldest games in Lambo history. And uh, but Robert Brooks is the guy who really like continued that like i am going to jump into the stands so um <laughs> i know i i don't Leroy butler builds his brand around the leap so i'm not going to be the i am not going to go so far as to say uh it was truly invented by someone else but robert brooks took it and ran with it he he's did. the uh he's the hype man if not the uh the the founder of that particular maneuver entirely true all right, that brings us back to you, Jr. You know, you fools, you fools. I, I appreciate this because I think you know how much I love that 2013 uh, season finale. But uh, I can't believe none mm. of you, none of you took it before. <laughs> it was on my list. It, to me. it was on my list. Yep. I mean, I'm a genius. I am, I am league leagues ahead of the Chicago Bears front office for getting this as my second round draft pick. But uh, uh, I, I am a huge fan of the 2013 season in general. It is ridiculous, impossible playoff qualifying season. Uh, I did just finish The Sopranos today, by the way. It is a, a Sopranos rewatch for me over the past several weeks. Many people remember the finale and the final moment. It is still iconic. Uh, this also has an iconic finish, but uh, you cannot discount the various iconic moments that led up to it that nobody talks about anymore. Uh, this season should have been an absolute trash fire. Yep. It involves an injury to Aaron Rodgers. It involves five straight weeks without a win there was a tie thank you minnesota there was a tie in there and of course that tie comes into play but uh five straight weeks without a win and then somehow they win three of their last four games um the, the play of course is aaron Rodgers throwing on fourth and eight to a wide open randall cobb chris conte bless you my friend for some reason felt the pass was going to be much shorter uh randall cobb got wide open behind the defense it was a touchdown in the final minute of play that gave the packers a 33 28 win in a winner take all you never get this last game of the season night game on sunday the last game of the season the winner gets the nfc north the loser stays home the packers do end up winning 33 28 thanks to that play uh randall cobb had been out all, a huge chunk of the year with injury that was his first game back everyone remembers that aaron Rodgers' first game back yep. Uh, after after the, uh, the one of his collarbone injuries that year, uh, I believe that one was a, suffered against the Bears at the hands of Shea McClellan. Uh, I'm pretty sure of that. And uh, so he comes back, sticks it to them. The Packers finish eight, seven, and one. They go to the playoffs against San Francisco. They lose, but it, it takes a last second field goal. Uh, so uh, you know they, they weren't supposed to win that game, yeah. uh, and they didn't. But they, they lost twenty three twenty. But but the thing that I feel like everyone forgets is Matt Flynn coming in, replacing Scott Tolzien. They get bombed at Detroit on Thanksgiving, forty to ten. And at that point, they're five, six, and one. No one thinks they're going to win the division. They don't have Aaron Rodgers. Matt Flynn somehow leads them to a one-point win over Atlanta. Somehow leads them to a one-point win over Dallas. That's it was the, the the big one there. They were down so much at halftime. <laughs> what, what was the score? It was twenty-six to three at halftime. This is the biggest comeback. Uh, I, I don't remember the, how long, but it had been an eternity and maybe even the biggest comeback to that point in franchise history at, at from a halftime deficit that large. Somehow Matt Flynn, Eddie Lacy takes over in the second half. Somehow they win that game 37 to 36. And uh, I mean, and that's a, that's a, not a great Cowboys team, but it's a solid Cowboys team. Yep. So that they lose to Pittsburgh. Just barely too. Just barely. I, I went to right. that game with Andy Schaff. Who we oh, mentioned. Andy Schaff. Um, and they had they had the ball on like the Pittsburgh six yard line as time was winding down and just couldn't punch it in. 
Um, so it's so close to winning that game too. And everybody thought they were dead, but they weren't. Um, the rest of the North cooperated as they so often do. And <laughs> yes, the bears lose that their game that week. They get bombed. And that sets up this winner take all that comes down to this final play. Joe Buck just screaming Cobb. Uh, Larry McCarron famously saying Brandon, Brandon Cobb. Cobb. Brandon Cobb. Uh, but it it was uh, it was amazing. John Kuhn throws the chip block on future Packer Julius Peppers, and uh, and the Packers win that game. The uh, just just phenomenal. There's no, they had no business winning three of their last four games. That that should have been a, a six win team, and yet uh, yet they find their way into the playoffs in. Uh, dramatic just just incredible that was yeah. an incredible season I mean, it was a bad season like overall but it was just an incredible finish uh the final final few weeks matt flynn somehow you know etches etches his legacy in the 2013 season and uh and you know rogers Cobb, it lives forever can i can i do a quick add-on to this one then tie it of back course. to tyler's earlier pick so when the Cobb pass happens there's 46 seconds left in the game and the bears have two timeouts left um and they start off pretty well like jay cutler actually hits martellus bennett's on the next, the first play of the next one, future Packer for 15 yards. Um, they take a timeout. They're down to the Green Bay 45-yard line, uh, at which point they start hucking it deep. Or Cutler starts hucking it deep. So first down, he misses Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, second down, he barely misses Brandon Marshall, who fell down on the turf uh, for what would have been like a 30-yard gain. And so it's third down. Clock's not moving. There's 10 seconds left. And this is what I was talking about is the worst Hail Mary in the history of football. So it's third down. <laughs> And there's 10 seconds left. They're at the 45-yard line of Green Bay. And um, the field goal doesn't no good, but there's 10 seconds left. They have a timeout. So Jay Cutler takes the ball, and he runs around for nine seconds. Like, he doesn't, like, get him to the 20-yard line so they have an easier shot in the end zone. He doesn't, like, try go set up the next, like, the fourth down play to end the game. They have a timeout. Like, they have no risk of running a short play even over the middle. Um, so he runs around for the whole 10 seconds. He heaves it. It, towards the end zone doesn't get it there and Sam Shields picks it off um intended for Alshon Jeffrey was like triple covered um and it the game ends but there should have been at least one more play um probably from 10 yards closer but he wasted like he threw a third down Hail Mary he didn't have to throw because he's Jay Cutler and he wanted to go home um <laughs> which is Jay Cutler in a nutshell just awful Awesome that the turf monster at Soldier Field gets a gets a little shout out there with uh, tripping up Brandon Marshall. Yeah, Brandon Marshall was gonna like take it to like the ten. Um, he was gonna catch it with momentum and get a giant huge gain out of it. And turf monster saved him one there. Yeah, yeah, they still had to get in the end zone, so at least there's that. But uh, it definitely could have been <laughs> it could have been a lot more dicey at the end. I mean, truthfully, did, did the Packers that year deserve to go to the playoffs? Probably not. But it was <laughs> it was very it was very refreshing how it ha- how it happened. Incredible. That's and, and like then you get the sequel that you you know was mentioned earlier here the 2018 opener with uh, the Rogers to Cobb part two you know with the the, the win on Monday night or was that Sunday night Monday night I don't even remember which I think night. It was Sunday night Sunday night uh, in the season opener so great it's great stuff uh, okay so I get to go again correct you do. My last pick, we're going to go back in time now, uh, before Tyler was born, young Tyler, to uh, 1989. Tyler, my understanding ah. is you're quite the aficionado on the Fail Mary game. Is that correct? Did you really have to? Oh, no. <laughs> I did not know JR knew about this. So, Well, uh, um, well, truthfully, I don't. I, I, need, I need a little background. I, I don't know. But I know that you, you and the Fail Mary have some history. Um, yes, I, we do have some history. Uh, a very certain private moment in my life happened for the first time uh, hours <laughs> hours before that game happened um, I, 
That's, I don't want to go that's into plenty. specifics. No, I'm I will just say that after the game was over and I was like, yeah, still a pretty good day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now Paul has wow. to make a decision on the explicit tag. Thanks, <laughs> not, Thanks Matt. That is not where I thought <laughs> I was teed up for that. I had no idea that's where we were going. That is, wow, I would have never thought. Well, uh, C- congratulations <laughs> how did you even find out about this is what i oh, want to know it's it's matub's fault matub was uh, like oh you gotta yeah. bring up the fail mary like okay i don't know why that was a seahawks game but okay um okay so <laughs> and now <laughs> all of our listeners know way, something way too personal tyler, tyler i could I, I could cut that if you want no it's fine <laughs> you cannot cut don't that care. that is part that is part of reporting his eligible history paul how dare you threaten to cut that <laughs> Um, the world wow. needs to know at some point. It, it's it's a very infamous day in Packers history, and for me, it's just a very weird day. All right. An all-time wow. weird day. Wow. Indeed. So uh, Back before the <laughs> fail Mary happened. In 1989. So anyway. Before Tyler was born. <laughs> uh, okay. In 1989. Oh, man. The instant replay game, guys. Um <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> this relates to the field, Mary, in that they're used to, you know, like the Packers think of that as one of the, the, the times they got screwed up by the officials possibly the most. The Bears could potentially say the same thing about the 89 game, although I would say like the field, Mary game, there's still at least a little shade of doubt where it's unclear uh, whether or not the uh, the Bears got got jobbed uh, in a in a pretty important game in 1989. The Packers finished 10 and 6 that year. This This season gets forgotten quite a bit. Uh, because the Packers did not go to the playoffs, but it came down. And actually, my first football memory is 1989, sitting around watching the Monday night football oh, game between the Vikings, Vikings and, and the Bengals. Bengals. Yeah, same here. And if the Bengals, if the Bengals had won that game, the Packers would have gone to the playoffs and and gotten obliterated by the 49ers, probably. But <laughs> but still, like the, they needed to win. I'm not sure they would have played the 49ers. This would have been to they, win the division. Yeah, I don't know if they would have played the 49ers, but worth noting, they actually did beat the 49ers during the regular season. Yes. Um, in any event, they needed a, a mediocre Bengals team to win, and that did not happen. And it came down kind of late. Uh, it came down to the fourth quarter. Bengals got within a point. Vikings won. I remember watching the game, and they had a live feed from somewhere, some some house where Don Mikowski and others had gathered yep. to watch. Ken Rutgers was there. And, uh, and it, it, you know, like they're, they're giving thumbs up when the Bengals do something good. Anyway, it, it came down to literally the last day of the season, back when they had Monday night games on the last week of the season. Also, I and, believe uh, they added another wild card after the season. Uh, yes, this, this was... is a five playoff team per conference situation. Yeah. Correct. They would have gone. Wow. Uh, uh, I guess I don't know the standings officially. Maybe maybe, maybe they tie with somebody, but they would. I think they would have gone. gone. They would have gone. Yeah. So uh, anyway, in that season, the Packers beat the Bears in the instant replay game. And I, I think a lot of people think replay is strictly like a 90s or, or like just very modern invention. But it really it dates back to the 70s in the NFL. And, and it really it started in 1986 and it, it, it actually ended in 92. They they did away with it because of a few uh, a few bumps in the road. Uh, There's actually a more famous example than this in 1986 when the Chiefs and Raiders, um, there was a miscommunication on the walkie talkie. They reviewed a touchdown. Uh, the, the guy said the pass is incomplete and the ref heard that the pass is complete so they held uh, upheld the call uh, and it ended up costing the Chiefs a win the uh, the Raiders won 24-17 in that game so <laughs> this is three years after that where Don Mikowski throws a game-winning touchdown as time expires to Sterling Sharp in the aftermath it's believed he's over the line of scrimmage that he's it's an it's an uh, so 
illegal forward he pass. He was flagged on the play as being over the correct, line. Correct, correct. Not right away, but it was pretty quickly thereafter because they celebrate. And then the flag comes down and everyone's like, yeah, he was over the line of scrimmage. So both teams, like the Bears at that point are celebrating. They think the game's over. The Packers are dejected. They think it's over. And then they go to the replay. And there's no yellow line on the screen. There's no like high definition video of this. You watch this play and you might come up with a different (laughs) answer every single time, whether or not he was actually ahead of the line of scrimmage. Moral of the story is they decided, no, it's a good, it's touchdown. So, so the Packers, obviously they freak out. The bears can't believe it. Uh, It goes down in history as the instant replay game. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's magic, magic man season, Don Mikowski's magic season in 1989. And uh, and that was, you know, like the Packers have a couple bad years after that. But that's that's really the first point where it's like maybe the Packers can be good again. Uh, they were still, you know, a quarterback away from that happening. But uh, but yeah, that was that was a fun little year. And that was a, definitely a moment that lives forever for the older generation Packers. Yeah. fans. it's insane that they had replay with with old TVs, with CRT TVs, because, um, you know, once we moved to high def, I think we all realized like, whoa, we don't really see anything on on CRT TVs. It is just it's just blur. Um, the other thing that would have been completely different if this happened today is nobody was able to explain what the rule is for being over the line at the time. I don't think anybody actually understood quite what it was. Now, the rule is very clear now. If any part of the quarterback's body is on the line of scrimmage, yeah, regardless of where the ball is, he's behind the line of scrimmage. I have no idea if that was the rule in 1989 um, or if it's been changed since then. But uh, uh, the one thing that we can say for the Bears uh, assuredly is the call on the field was that he was over the line, and there's certainly not enough evidence to overturn the call on the field. Uh, the call might have been wrong, but you, you you can't tell anything definitive, and the rule was always supposed to be that you should stick with the rule on the field. So I sympathize with him there, but also don't care because um, <laughs> because winning is better than losing, and that's fine. Yeah, the Vikings win the division that year, so that's not like a top-flight Bears team. The Vikings, yeah. I believe that was their first, like in nine seasons, their first division title. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Packers won that game 14-13. I don't know if I ever said the score. The scoring was at a premium in that uh, in that game. And Sterling Sharp, you know, obviously was was just just really getting started. You know, the early nineties. He's he's as good as any player in the NFL, really. And uh, doesn't uh, another player that I mean, I think people understand how great he was, but they don't really you know they don't really appreciate how superstar that guy was because um, he gets hurt and he doesn't get to be part of the the big Super Bowl runs or anything. Yes, indeed. Okay, I'm up, and I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do for my last one here. because Oh, you again, got – big board says there's a lot of options left. I huh? have too many tabs open, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, my third one, I, I, I was going a couple different ways, and where is that game? I know what I'm going to do. Um, this one this one was actually suggested to me um, in Acme Packing Company Slack, and uh, it involves one of my favorite brief players on the Packers, so I'm going to do it. I just have to actually find the stupid thing. But um, I will mention it is the Ty Montgomery game, um, now famously known as the Ty Montgomery game, kind of famously anyway. But I gotta find it, and I'm gonna be doing editing now for sure because I freaking I lost don't it. know. I actually don't even know what you're talking about. The Ty really? Montgomery game to me is the one that got him cut. Was that uh, that's that's that a, this one? That's a different Ty Montgomery game. This is, <laughs> this is the good. This is the good Ty Montgomery. Good Ty Montgomery game, which I had uh, I had all my tabs organized and it disappeared, so I must have closed is it this, on accident. Is this? following like the fallout from this was everyone complaining about him wearing number 88 as a running yes back. that is this because that was incredible it was just like who who cares he's in the backfield you can look at him right there he's gonna get the ball like although i will say this uh while you're looking i do not like uh the jersey number changes it just feels wrong 
I thought I was going to like it. And then I see uh, Mark Ingram wearing number 14 and I'm like, that's not right. That's not a, that's not a thing. I would like it more if Amari Rogers were better at returning kicks or punts. Oh, <laughs> that would, that would be I nice. would like it much more. That would be very nice. You know, Mataba is going to be really mad at us because if you're not taking right, the chest. Okay, it. go ahead. Go ahead. We, we can do honorable mention on anything that we missed. But okay. yeah, so this game took place on in 2016 on December 18th. The Packers won 30 to 27. And I know not a lot of people remember it, but uh, it, it featured great performances by two Packer running backs who just weren't with the team that much. Ty Montgomery had 162 yards on 16 carries and two touchdowns in this game. And uh, buffering that, Christine Michael, who his, I just call Chris because he spells his name Christine, had 45 more yards on four carries and a touchdown. Um, and Aaron Rodgers did not play well in this game. He was 19-31 to 31 for 252 yards. So running backs carried the day. And Ty Montgomery just absolutely dominated the proceedings, um, uh, ripping off basically big runs all the time. He, he had a bunch of long runs, not just like one or two to bolster his numbers, um, and was everything. And I think at this time... Uh, the pick actually looked pretty good. It looked like he was going to be what they wanted him to be, just a bruiser between the tackles who could also play some receiver. And uh, that just didn't work out at all. And he eventually left the team in, in bad straits. But uh, he actually dominated the Bears in this game. And it was another one of those weird games. But the Bears don't give up 160-yard rushing performances that frequently. Um, and uh, it was not a bad Bears defense. It, it was a, a pretty decent one at the time. Um, but, uh, one of the weirder dominant performances you'll see. So I also mentioned Ty Montgomery because the Packers actually got quite a bit better when they started playing him a lot more this year and started involving him in the passing game. They kind of barely ever threw to running backs before they started using him and it opened things up and then they just stopped. And I do kind of wonder if Ty Montgomery in his prime would have been a better player had he been on a little bit more creative passing team along the lines of what like Cordero Patterson has now with Atlanta. Um, he's, I think, a little too old and a little too washed up now. He's still in the league. like He plays for the Saints. Um, but uh, he he was a weird mix. Like He was kind of a Debo Samuel-shaped guy, and I do wonder if with some better play calling he could have been that. And in this game, that's basically what he was. Um, so I would have liked to have seen more, more of him doing this, and uh, they won this game because of him. There was a run where he was averaging like six yards a carry, and it was basically like, we're just going to move into running back and see what happens. It was awesome. Yeah. For him to end his Packers tenure getting traded for a seventh-round pick in not the next year draft but the year after that <laughs> felt like one of the most petty moves I've ever seen. And at the time, after he went rogue and cost them the Rams game, I was like, you know what? Well-deserved. Yep. Absolutely worth it. 100%. All right. I don't remember this at all. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> I was I was a I, I was a big time Montgomery fan, so I remember it more Same. than most people would. Um, I met his uh, met his mom once, and she was delightful. Oh, that's nice. All right, Tyler, you're last. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, a couple of mine got taken. Uh, scrounging through, you know, it's too it's too soon for me to do the I own you, but I feel like just looking back <laughs> it, for when a podcast is doing this 20 years from now, that one's gonna be remembered fondly. <laughs> the one I'm gonna do, we touched briefly on. Uh, the six touchdown half from Aaron Rodgers in 2014. That's a good one. This might go down as one of my all-time favorite Packers games, period. Um, the one thing that really irks me, I'm pretty sure they pulled Rodgers at halftime, correct? I think he got one series um, to yeah. get to, to, in he the got third. Bench really, he got pulled pretty quickly, though. Yeah. Because the record being upset. I think they gave him a series to, to break it, and he didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, but just, I think it was the way the touchdowns were scored. Some were great throws. 
Uh, one was a ridiculous screen to Eddie Lacy where just no one wanted to tackle him. And then two of them were just Jordy Nelson as wide open as can be. Um, so just, it was so great just seeing a, another, I think it was another Sunday night game too. Just beating up on the bears. There's something about those Sunday night games, Packers bears, just making them a little extra special. Yep. Yeah, that was a total total domination. I believe that was on my list when uh, Love that after the 2018 game, one of the one of the better red stories I had was seven times Aaron Rodgers ripped the heart out of the Chicago Bears, <laughs> and uh, that was on the list. That As was on the list. so well prepared. Yeah. Um, I love that game, and I will watch it sometimes just when I'm feeling down. So I highly recommend everyone <laughs> <I'm> do that. <laughs> that is your therapy watching Aaron Rodgers yep. decimate the Chicago Bears. Incredible stuff. Yes. All right, Jay. So what do you what do you said we missed? Well, I mean, any list, serious list that has Packers Bears moments has to has to mention at least the Chester Markle game in 1980, the game where he famously had a kick blocked, returned it for a touchdown when it deflected right back to him for the winning points. That was the only touchdown in the game. We've talked about that on this podcast before. Chester Markle was indeed uh, was, was a fascinating character, wore those funny looking glasses, had had a history with substance abuse that he overcame. And there, there's just a lot going on in his uh, in his life and career. And uh, and I know everyone everyone remembers that. Yeah. That was at a time when I don't know if either team was particularly spectacular. Uh, certainly the Packers weren't. So uh, so I think that was a rare highlight in the in the desert. That was the sort of late 70s, early 80s. And if, Matt, if Matt were here, he would mention Chester Markle's book, which he's I believe just finished reading. <laughs> So um, also it is a, it's a good one. So. Yeah. Uh, in the more modern era, there's the 2016 pass, the 60 yard pass to Jordy Nelson. That's just one yeah. play that sticks out. I don't know if it's legendary in the same way that some of these other things are, but that touch that, uh, that long, long pass great over the shoulder catch sets up a game winning field goal uh, to, uh, to burn the bears at the buzzer. That was nice. There's a really good game in 2002 um, that the Packers won in October um, that I like just because of the, um, how many great performances happened in it, uh, stat line-wise. Uh, Brett Favre threw for 359 yards, which I think is fourth against the Bears all-time. But uh, they had 200-yard receivers. Uh, Terry Glenn, <laughs> remember Terry Glenn? Had, yes, wild. Had, had eight catches on 10 targets for 154 yards against the Bears. And simultaneously, Donald Driver had four catches for 120 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he had a 78-yard touchdown catch in this game. And Damon Green went over 100 yards rushing in the game as well. Um, so, um, and and to put to put a bow on all of that, um, there was a play in I think it was the third quarter. Let me check. Yep, third quarter um, where Kabir comes around the corner, strips strip sacks Jim Miller. Um, it looks like the Packers recover it, but the officials rule uh, that the Bears in fact did recover it. There's a great shot in that game if you go and watch it um, of. Uh, one of the players has a camera on. It has to be Jim Miller on the ground. And Ed Hockley's leaning over him trying to get the ball. And it's just Ed Hockley's giant face. Um, on the very next play, um, I actually don't know who comes around, but one of the Packer defensive linemen comes around and crushes Jim Miller. Ball goes straight up and Kabir runs under it and takes it in for a 72-yard interception pick six. Um, so that game is just razzle-dazzle all the way. And uh, I watched it this week. If you want to see a game that's kind of along the lines of the six touchdown game, where just every play that Green Bay makes is like a giant, impressive, amazing play, that's a good one too. I'd love to do something like this with the other NFC North opponents, but it just, it's not the same because it's the Bears. But there are so many Let's random do, NFC North moments that are seared in my just brain. Just do top 10 Paul Allen calls sometime. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like An announcer who is just more famous for calling disappointment than for calling good things, which is... That one this week was, mm, it was glorious. Yep. It was quite good. Yeah. 
I feel like they, he uh, was self-conscious and didn't want to be uh, have the normal Paul Allen meme go out, so he was trying to be contained and boring, and that just made it better because you could hear the seething in his voice. So, yeah, yeah, that guy, that guy will always be extremely popular in in the state directly, uh, directly to the east here yep. of Minnesota. But uh, um, I think so. I, I want to say it was 19 of 22 games that the Packers won against the Bears, starting with that Halloween game in '94 that you mentioned, and then kind of going through that 2002 game into 2000. Three and then I think in 04 the Bears kind of start to turn around have have quite a bit of success against the Packers for a short uh, maybe four year window there but uh, man the Packers have dominated this rivalry since you know since they got good for the last thirty years <laughs> it's been insane that and the Bears and the Bears did dominate it too like in the eighties like I wanted to, to be fair they crushed the Packers it's one of the reasons why the eighty nine that instant replay game was so refreshing to people that was their first win over the Bears and I want to say it was like. I want to say that was like coming off an eight game losing streak to the Bears or something. So, yep, yep. I, I, I also do want to mention um, in, in the Bears' favor, really quick, since it is Bears' week, that they have one of the, I think, three undefendable plays in the original Tech Mobile, uh, which is a slant to Cap Boso. Um, it's the only one of the only passing plays you can complete if the other player calls it. So, um, good, good for the Bears there. One of the highlights <laughs> of their offensive franchise history. Oh, good Lord. Incredible. Yep. All right. Well, we closed on a on a more modern note with uh, with Tyler mentioning "I still own you." wasn't officially part of the draft, <laughs> but uh, but we can now talk about this team, this particular twenty twenty one team, right? Because uh, yeah, you know, here they come. Yeah, I guess it, it's it's so bad. They're so bad. <laughs> so I, hurt. They're I, so hurt. They're, they are so hurt. And I know they're they're I know they're better than the Lions, objectively speaking. But I would rather be the Lions than the Bears right now, a hundred times over. Um, the the there's just not a the slow decline of the bears didn't catch it didn't catch everybody by surprise because those paying attention i think understood like there's some fundamental problems with this team and unless justin fields is like dynamite right away it's going to be a rough season for him and uh, i mean they've been even worse than i thought because Allen robinson has just been terrible despite playing quite a bit and um the defense i think has taken a step back even more than i thought they would but uh they're not in good cap shape and a lot of their good players are getting up there and uh a lack of drafting over the last uh well over the ryan pace tenure the last five six years has just left them in terrible shape and there's nothing they can do about it so how can you be in bad cap shape with a rookie quarterback Quarterback. it never happens it's ridiculous it's how the chiefs and seahawks won super bowls like this is preposterous you've mismanaged your roster so poorly Um, what is their cap hit on quarterbacks though because of nick Foles and dalton this is the story of the bears in a nutshell so dalton's making 10 million this year with an escalator to 13 million for one season and getting paid it because it's one it's a one-year contract i actually don't know what Foles is getting paid but it's not it's a lot and they traded a four eight million it's like eight million bucks it's insane and they traded a fourth round pick to jacksonville for the privilege and and I, they're just cowards. Um, they're bad planners and they're cowards. And here's here's what I mean. Um, they they went with Dalton and Foles because they could see the writing on the wall. They needed to have a winning season to save their jobs. You can plausibly have a winning season with Andy Dalton. He is not a good quarterback, but he you can do worse. Um, Foles is kind of the same. Um, essentially, they signed the same guy twice and paid them a lot of money. Um, that's fine if you're not going to draft a quarterback and just want to roll the dice with your halfway competent roster and halfway competent quarterbacks but then you go and draft a quarterback and now you now you're screwed you already and also you did this already you already did this with mike lennon and mitch trubisky like you you had the experience of this not working once and you went and did it again um and 
you either have to go the route of, okay, we're going to develop the guy on the bench like Jordan Love and play our, our stopgap quarterbacks and we'll go through the season and we'll see what happens and then we'll move on when Andy Dalton's quarter contract is over next year and maybe keep falls around to backup, whatever. But they chicken out. Um, Dalton does get hurt. But you have Foles. Foles is just Dalton. You can just go to Foles. And they don't. They decide, okay, now even though he's missed all of preseason and has got and has not taken first team reps and hasn't seen any live NFL action, we're just going to stick him in um, for this game with no with a terrible offensive line and see what happens. And that's a bad plan. It's just a bad plan. And that's how they that's how they roll. They waste money on things they don't need. They don't plan properly for the assets they get. And this is how you end up the Bears over and over again. You, you never learn. I no, I got nothing else to say on that. They should that. just use Foles as a wideout. We know he can catch passes. We've seen it happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're he's they're wasting a veteran quarterback. Yes, <laughs> they are. Uh, to put some stats to it, I ran numbers this week as I do. Um, <laughs> and in in Ryan Pace's tenure, um, the Bears, uh, as we often say, as Justice often says, this a four round draft. You get you get your players in the top four rounds of the draft. Uh, the Bears have the second fewest. Uh, first to fourth round picks over their GM's tenure with 24 since 2015. Only the Bills have fewer with 23, but they got Josh Allen. So, you know, that fixes basically every other problem that you have. Um, At least for one year. Yes. Uh, And with those 24, you know, top four round picks, they've used three on running backs, which is the second (laughs) high. uh, Only two other teams have drafted more running backs in that time. Baltimore with four, but Baltimore's had 44 picks in that time period. They lead. They have the most picks. You can pick. You can do that if you have 44 picks. Washington's taken five, but they're stupid too. So um, uh, those running backs, by the way, Jeremy Langford uh, out of Michigan State, Tariq Cohen, and David Montgomery, who they traded up to pick in the third round. Um, they have taken three running backs and one offensive lineman in that time period despite the steady decay of their offensive line into absolute terribleness. They don't we should point out the one, the one offensive lineman is Tevin Jenkins. And it's Tevin has... Jenkins who they traded not, up to get. <laughs> he's not seen the field this year, except for two extra points. That, that I mean, is a rookie. They least, a rookie. Yeah. Did they at least make the extra points? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they did. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, he's a rookie. So like obviously long-term play, but that's, you know, not going to get it done. I like Tevin Jenkins too. That's the problem. He seems like a good kid and an absolute beast on the field. Um, this that was the worst part this year when I was watching the Bears draft. It was just like those are actually good picks, and they're still going to find a way to mess it up. Yeah, right. yep, yep. But they did, and also Tevin Jenkins for all his his success did have some red some uh, medical red flags that came home to roost. He got hurt, his bad back, and uh, that's not a good place to be. Um, that. The trade up, by the way, the um, the Browns ended up with Jeremiah. Owusu- Why am I trying to pronounce this? I can never. Jeremiah Awusu Koromora. Thank you, Koromora. There we go. And the Panthers ended up with Tommy Tremble, who are both also pretty good. Um, and and wor- worth noting, uh, I think we have a question later about the Khalil Mack trade. Um, and if they don't make the Khalil Mack trade, um, they have the opportunity to draft Justin Jefferson, um, who. The Raiders are stupid too, and they made a stupid pick with the, the picks they got from the Bears. But uh, Jefferson went like two picks after the Raiders pick that they got from Mac that year. So um, lots lots could have been different uh, if they had played things a little bit differently. But they're not. They're stupid and bad. They deserve all their failure. All right. I, I don't, anything you're to you're add? very happy right now. Aren't I, don't, you? I don't even know what to add about the game. It's like truly the, therapeutic. The, the Packers are going to destroy them. They're not good at anything, really. Um, unless, like, 
unless there's like a, a, a you know tornado like there was last night, which maybe maybe <laughs> there will be. But it'll take an active god for the Bears to win this game. I did this. I did this exercise with Chris, you know, um, yesterday. Uh, four of the Bears' good players are hurt: Justin Fields, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, and oh my gosh, Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, yeah. Name any other good players on the team. Darnell Mooney's okay. <laughs> Actually, I do like Mooney, but he's also what a third uh, wide receiver three. Two. He's, I mean, two on the Bears okay. for sure, but he, yeah. he's 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 okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's hard to. I mean, Roquan, but he plays inside linebacker, so who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Eddie Jackson, I think, is not as good as we all thought. Um, I think bear consensus was Adrian Amos was being carried, and they were wrong about that. So, yeah, it's and a, this is why it's hard to preview this game. It is. <laughs> all right. So every time there is a perceived blowout on paper, I ask this question: the path to victory then for the Bears? What goes wrong, or what has to go wrong <laughs> for the Packers to drop this game? It's Robert. Robert Quinn catches fire. He's having a good year. All right. It's just going to be, it's, it's really hard to see how the bears win this game without just tons of fluky stuff. Um, I, the Packers may be playing a little too slow to limit the, like the, like that Vikings game a couple years ago, like limiting possessions to an absurd amount and not punching it in, like getting stuffed on fourth and one at the goal line once or twice fluky turnover and the bears maybe hit, Andy Dalton here's Andy Dalton doesn't suck. Um he uh, he's not good, but he can, he's capable of leading a touchdown driver too. So, um that I guess uh maybe maybe David Montgomery does rip through them, although that offensive line is is bad and the Packer defense has been good at stopping much better running backs this year. So, uh it, it's it's tough. It would take just fluky stuff. This this one's active god. That's the only way the Bears win this game. That's it. it. Lo- That's all there is to it. Love it when God gets a shout out on reporting is eligible. So let's move to the questions then. We got a, we got a bunch of them starting, of course, with the Patreon questions. Patreon subscribers get question priority, including Mark Pudscarby, who kicks us off. When Jair comes back, who should be the top three corners and who should go to the bench? We kind of have gotten a variety of this question a lot. <laughs> I wish I wish I believed, as so many do, that Jair Alexander will be back and, and at something resembling full strength. But um, I don't know. What do you think? So I, I think. King should go to the bench. I think that's probably the consensus answer. Well, we'll see. See if Tyler disagrees. Um, but I don't know if they do that because they keep putting him in over Russell Douglas when he's healthy. Um, I hope that ship has sailed at this point. It's pretty clear who's better. But uh, I, I think uh, I could also see them benching Stokes just for veteran experience. And he's, he, while Stokes is good at sticking with guys, he is awkward on the technical side still. And I could see them just preferring King's like technical savvy out there as a third corner versus Stokes like rawness. So that, but I still think they put King to the bench. I, I do think they, they make the right decision. I have extremely strong opinions. About okay. this. Um, I think, I think you go with Stokes and Rasul on the outside and Jair in the slot. In the slot. Yeah. Sullivan is just when he's going against any kind of athletic slot guy, he is a huge liability and that's really unfortunate to say, I think he's a good guy. Um, I think, you know, going looking ahead to next year, that slot corner and third safety are absolutely massive holes in this defense. So something to keep an eye on. The problem, if you put Jair in the slot and he's not fully healthy in the way Joe Barry's scheme is schemed up, he needs to do a lot in run support. And if he's not fully healthy, that's going to be an issue. Yep. Love the idea. Hope it happens. Not sure it will. I think they, yep. they do love finding ways to keep King out there. So 
No idea why. Yep. Actually, you know, I will say he's having an okay year. He's fine. He's quite fine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, including that experiment where they put him in the slot, which whatever. <laughs> I'm not sure what that's what that's about. Uh, Jesse Jenigin. Genigan, I uh, apologize if I <laughs> let me just throw out a few pronunciations and one is bound to be right. Genigan, Jesse, uh, do you think, despite the fact that he's obviously been very good, that the Bears regret the Khalil Mack trade? And if so, would the Packers have regretted it if they had gotten it done instead? So you mentioned, Paul, that this really blocked them from getting some pretty sufficient capital have, in terms of. I have a long, complicated answer, so I want Tyler to go first. Okay. <laughs> Um, I think as an organization, they don't because he sold a crap ton of jerseys and put seats, uh, or put butts in the seats. That'll have the simple answer. answer So part one of my answer is I don't think they regret it because they're stupid. And, uh, (laughs) they, they did. I mean, Khalil Mack is good and he does put butts in the seats and he does sell jerseys. Um, here's the problem that has always existed with the Khalil Mack trade. Uh, they made the trade with the Raiders and they gave up a lot. They gave up the amount that you would give up if you were getting a guy with a good affordable contract back in baseball terms. But they didn't get that. They got Khalil Mack and then the, the ability to sign him to a fair market deal, which for Khalil Mack is a ton of money in cap space. So you win football games by having surplus value on guys because it's a hard cap league. And as good as Khalil Mack is, if you play, if you pay Khalil Mack rates for him and give up draft picks, you got ripped off. So they should regret this. And while like nothing against Khalil Mack, who is outstanding, um, they would have likely gotten more value, both cap space and draft capital wise, had they simply used their picks wisely. There were uh, there was a ton of quality available with every pick that the Raiders used. Even, and I won't say that the Bears would have gotten it right because the Raiders didn't. That's the other thing you can say about this is um, ob- objectively the Bears won the trade because Mac's better than what the Raiders drafted, but. Um, he's not better than what they should have drafted. <laughs> yep. so, so, so there's the complicated part. All right. PJ Vessels says, rank some of your favorite Bears coaches. Which Bears coaches were or are good coaches? <laughs> Number one, Matt Nagy. Extend him 10 more years, please. This is a tough one because I think the best Bear coach of my lifetime is Lovey Smith, and it's not close. Yeah, uh, and that in- I agree. That includes- you took him to a Super Bowl, so like- yeah, <laughs> that includes Mike Ditka. And, and Lovey's time has passed him by a little bit. I, I do wonder if he w- like just dedicated to being a-, a defensive coordinator again that he might be able to pull something off. But every other Bear coach has been bad, like and comically so. Mark Tressman just terrible. Dick Duran's awful. Dave Wanstead was only their coach because he had a Mike Ditka mustache. And even Mike Ditka was a bad coach. Uh, just had <laughs> Buddy Ryan, um, uh, th- th- who was the key of that team. So, um. I cannot think. We, of- hold on, hold on. I just want to point out we accuse we, we bring up nepotism a lot. Yeah. You were, but but we have never thought about the mustache, mustache being the reason the guy yeah. got a job. That's why he got a job. He he was not a good coach, and he looked like a Chicago guy, and that's why he got. I, I literally believe that's true. Dave wants mustache nepotism. Yeah. I don't know what the word would be. Did he talk like a Chicagoan? Yes, or did he, he talks like Brian a Chicagoan. Ke- Dave wants was that a Brian Kelly instance where he adopted the Chicago? He accent, still talks or? that way, so I do think it's authentic. Okay. Um, okay. But like he is just like a clone of Mike Ditka. It's uh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous when they hired him. It was like, no, you should go out of your comfort zone and get somebody better. So, um, so Lovey's like by far the best bear coach of the last like three decades. Not even close. Everybody else is awful. I can't rank them because it's Lovey Smith, and then yeah, I still love Matt Nagy though. Just I I, I love him <laughs> mostly because of the press conferences. I think just. The concept we got to figure out the whys 
or I'm not an idiot. We know what we're doing. He's, or I agree oh, with you. So many they're, good, they're good press conferences, and he is so stupid. He uh, <laughs> yeah. he is going to go on the lower half of the list once he's gone. I can't. Uh, I do think Andy Reid is a little bit of a, a Belichick, where he's a savant, and you you can't learn to be Andy Reid. Uh, by yeah. being around Andy Reid, you can only learn to be Andy Reid by being Andy Reid. That's the only it does, so it doesn't work. Um, and that's Matt Nagy. Like he he keeps trying to force quarterbacks to play a stupid system from 20 years ago. I don't know where he picked it up because he played for a super creative coach who plays a completely different system than he wants to play with a mobile quarterback. Uh, uh, he he I, I hope they. I mean, he's going to get fired probably like a week from now. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm in the pro extend him camp as well. Which it's interesting is, that they they had such success with a defensive minded coach and then have tried to get away from that. You know, Tressman too is supposed to be sort of this, you know, outside the box thinker offensively. And I, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I don't know much about John Fox's history for the brief time that he was there. I suppose he's he, he, he was okay actually. John Fox was fine, but not great. He's at least a, he's a smart defensive coach. At least knows he knows what he's doing. Yeah. All right, uh, Brian Polakowski says, how bad of a beatdown does it have to be for Nagy to get axed next Monday? Look, I just don't think they're going to fire him midseason. What is the point? Like, even even if you think it's going to, <laughs> like, like, they're not going to the playoffs. So what in the world do you gain? You don't you don't get, like, a head start or anything. Just just let him play out the screen. I, My goodness. Oh, go ahead, Tyler. You like... uh, from a Packers perspective, the only positive, because I've been like, please don't fire him middle season. The one positive a Packers fan can take away, if they fire Nagy midseason, uh, they could talk themselves into hiring their interim coach. Yes. And that's something I'd be like, oh, oh absolutely. Uh, that being said, I believe in the history of the Chicago Bears franchise. They have never fired a coach in season. That is correct. So they probably won't, but they are stupid and they might. Um, the, inter- <laughs> the interim coach, by the way, would be Bill Lazor. Uh, and if, if you listen to enough score and, and read Chicago stuff, uh, everybody there loves Bill Lazor and basically says whenever he's allowed to call games, their offense is good. And whenever uh, Nagy takes it back, their offense is bad. So they could totally talk themselves into hiring their interim coach if that happens. And the that's laser show. Laser show would like be great. I am, I am all for that. I hope that does happen for that very reason. Some guys get hired because they have the right mustache. Some guys get hired because they have the right name. Yep. If your cool name, name is Lazor, you're going to be you're going to be a coach somewhere, head coach. So we'll see. Alex Lamer says, I haven't watched many Bears games because I don't want to watch awful football. But at a glance, it seems like Justin Fields has struggled. Man's been running for his life. Is it true or am I missing something? Pro Football Reference says he's been sacked or picked on almost one out of every five <laughs> dropbacks. Yeah, that's true. Oh, there, there it is. That's oh. incredible. Yeah. I'll, anytime you turn on the Bears, you just see Justin Fields trying to make something out of nothing yeah. in the backfield. So bad combination here of just a quarterback who does hold the ball too long and a terrible offensive line. And the, um, I believe in playing young quarterbacks early. I think it's the best way to develop them. But the one caveat I have there is you can't get them hit too much. Uh, those guys don't work out. Like, uh, Tim Couch and David Carr, I think, had that problem. I think that those were talented quarterbacks that just were put in awful situations. And it develops bad habits when you're getting killed every single play. Um, and uh, so... It, he he definitely doesn't do himself favors. He, he holds it too long. He tries to run and make plays, um, and his clock is not sped up yet. Uh, he might look a lot better if they'd have played him in the preseason and gotten him ready for the types of looks he was going to have to make when he was actually starting. But at this point, th- I would probably shut him down because he, that's too many sacks. He's getting sacked on 13.5% of his dropbacks. That's too many hits and too many sacks, and uh, it's it's going to kill him. It's it's bad. They, they need to stop <laughs> 
I believe his last fully healthy game was uh, that Monday night against the Steelers. And I will say this, he did look genuinely good. He, he did. was carrying that yep. team. Also a totally random stat. I believe he leads the league by a wide margin in average depth of target. I think his average throw is like at least 10 yards, which is uh, a product of everything you're yep. saying, which is him holding if on. If you're the holding ball the ball, you better, you better be yep. whipping it down the field because yep. <laughs> that's his deep ball is great. I will say that he throws a nice deep ball. Um, he's athletic. He's, he's I can't swear on here, but you know, you he's very actually. athletic. He's a no, much he's better, shit. Yeah, he's a much better prospect than Trubisky. He was a very accurate college passer. He had he hit I, all the. I hated Trubisky so much. I, I I still don't know how they talked. I I know how they did because they they did it based on scouting. But nobody with Trubisky's profile has ever been a good professional quarterback. It's never happened once. So, yes, you are correct. Fields is a good prospect uh, by all numbers that exist for college football and and athleticism. So, um, I wanted to root for him, and now it's just. Mm. Now I feel to. I feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I, I feel. Uh, Flaley Joel Osmond has a really good question here. Release the Kurtkin is the uh, is the hashtag. Apparently, is that a thing? I not. I think he's trying to make fetch happen. I think. But so if too. the Packers release the Kurtkin and start Bankert, is the game close? How bad would special teams have to be to give this one away? As people know, Aaron Rodgers still rocking a toe injury. Jordan Love on the COVID nineteen uh health and safety protocol so kurt bankert has been elevated from the practice squad he is uh, you know i guess there is a scenario where he ends up getting a lot of playing time if uh, if the packers go way ahead or if you know rogers re-injures that you know irritates that toe uh but uh, but yeah is the game close if he's playing closer but i still take the packers by a healthy margin just th- their talent is so overwhelming across the board that they can lean on running and Benker just making easy throws and still still beat the Bears in this game. Uh, and Benker, I think, is actually a pretty smart quarterback, uh, which is all, all I want Matt Flynnness out of my backup, but I think he kind of has that. He understands his limitations, and uh, he'd be fine. Not great, but fine. Uh, I hadn't thought about the special teams in two weeks, so that question just kind of made me a little sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, forgot that existed. Be- forgot that was a problem. I think you're going to need two turnovers from the special teams, including yep. one that maybe directly leads to a touchdown. For Some, this something to, uh, like that. Yeah. Uh, Jared Vogeltans, great question. A little Dear Abby up in here yeah. on reporting is eligible. <laughs> I have a confession to make. For years, I have been listening to 670 The Score out of Chicago for the sole purpose of reveling in the misery of Bears fans. You're not the only one, Jared. As a Packers fan, it makes me feel good to just know how much worse it could be. <laughs> <laughs> is this you, Paul? Is this your burner? However, I have a gun... <laughs> I've begun to worry that wallowing wallowing in this misery pit is probably bad for my mental health. Should I stop doing this? <laughs> no. <laughs> Next question. No. no. <laughs> uh, you, also, you shouldn't do it because this is sports and this is just for cheap thrills, cheap cheap highs and cheap lows. And it's totally like if you're doing this in real life, if you're rooting for other people's misery and things that matter, you should stop that. But this is just this, this, is, sports. this is sports and nobody cares. Nobody's hurt by it. And it's a good outlet for that kind of thing. And that's honestly what the score is for. The whole uh, uh, RIP OB and Doug show, the whole point of it was that. It wasn't for any other reason. <laughs> so, um, yes, that's fine. You can keep it up and your conscience can be clear. How self-aware, though, like is the score? Because I feel like it's, it's decently self-aware. It's really self-aware. Um, I, I think that they they know exactly what they are and what they're for. Certainly, Dan Bernstein does, even if yes. nobody and and is he is happy to tell anybody else about what what it is, so they all know too. So yes, they're self-aware. Talk radio is generally can be a cesspool, so I, I guess I don't uh, I don't love all t- I don't love talk radio in a blanket way, but I've always kind of enjoyed what they do with the score. Score is like, pretty good as far as yeah. sports talk radio goes. You you won't find much better, honestly. All right, Matt Matanich 
I don't know who that is. Uh, says, is Matub dead? Where are you hiding him? Did he make too many Fart McDuty references and JR finally killed him? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> no, JR just suspended him for talking about Mutt too much. That's all. Um, he is, I wish I had that power. I don't. I know. Uh, no. <laughs> Hi, Matt. Glad you're listening. Hope, yeah, hope well, I'm not I'm not thrilled with that. Just, you know, he's he's bringing up my personal life and things like that <laughs> on the podcast. So so JR uh, didn't kill him, but Tyler might. Yeah, might. Um, it's fine. I still love the guy. <laughs> I mean, he's he's in Colorado and I'm in Wisconsin, and that is way too far for me to drive to yep. execute any sort of homicide. But uh JR learned a lot of stuff about me in the first conversation <laughs> we ever so, had. So together. did so did I. <laughs> Did you miss this whole conversation on the Slack? Sure did. <laughs> oh, no. I've really got to get into that APC I worked during the day, so I missed all that. <laughs> oh. All right, we're moving, we're moving on to Twitter questions. Ryan Ziegler asks, where does Mac end up? That's Khalil Mac In 2022, off a of season-ending surgery with a boosted cap to $208 million. <laughs> Not on the Bears. Um, he uh, He's cuttable after this year, and I... He, I don't think they'll have him back. I think they'll let him go and do a total teardown rebuild. Yeah. So, so somebody with a lot of cap space and with a chance to actually make it, um, which you don't find too often. So not actually sure. Not the Packers for sure. Know that much. Um, will, will they have a new GM? Oh, the Bears? Yeah. I think that they're going to clean the house completely. That would be okay. my guess. So that's, Who takes uh, that's that job, one. though? Who wants that job? Yeah, they'll, it's, it's an NFL job. Yeah, they'll, it's an NFL job. Somebody will take it. it It'll yeah, so I imagine they'll be they'll be looking to start fresh, and he, with Mac being injured this year, there's like there's just truly no reason to say yeah. let's give it let's give it more time. Probably end up on the Seahawks or 49ers. It seems to be where everybody goes. So I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what their cap situation. Oh, not, not I forgot. Seahawks are gonna blow things up too. Never mind. They're not gonna sign anybody. Take that back. The Chiefs. That's that's my pick right there. That's a good pick. Yeah, Melvin Ingram's there now, right? So uh, yeah. same 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 course of action. Yeah, I actually don't know who has cap space to sign big free agents. Uh, I will say just to set the table for a few others, the the salary cap uh, was set this week at uh, two hundred eight million. That's not a huge surprise. Um, everybody, every team, every GM was preparing for about that number, and nobody is like, oh, we got a whole bunch more space now. That's not a thing that's happening. So. Yeah, it's not great news for the Packers. If you were hoping hoping their cap situation would get a little rosier with a with a higher number, yeah, it didn't bad. it didn't happen. No. So it's it's as bad as we thought. Yeah. Not worse, but not not great. Okay, uh, Jonathan Deal asks: Is there any chance that we're all overrating the possible return of three guys returning from pretty significant injuries? He, of course, is talking about the guys on the defense, especially at positions that require peak physical condition. <sighs> I don't know. Well, Bakhtiari is pro. If if we're talking about Bakhtiari, I I don't. Yeah, like I think they're fine without him i mean that seems ridiculous to say all pro left tackle but they they figured it out like you know throwing a new guy in especially in a position where communication is so valuable yeah not that i don't i mean i i have full confidence bakhtiari would be fine if they put him back there but like i i think the reason they're slow walking this has a lot to do with the the comfort of where they are now they're just not desperate in that spot yeah and i do think he helps more against like truly elite competition than sure. against just your run-of-the-mill team like they they definitely can survive against average defenses without too much trouble they i think if they don't have him back for the playoffs and they like run into tampa that's that's a problem um and he he doesn't even really fix that problem but he makes it a lot better (laughs) uh so that uh jair i think actually is pretty crucial to get back um they've been good at they've been really good on defense they really have but they're they're not great they're they're good but i think to actually win this thing they do need a lot the lockdown cornerback i think he's the most important one 
And I think they, they actually are drastically better with Alexander on the field. I just think you need to get, you know, I don't think you have to rush any of those guys back. You don't. But I do want to make sure they play at least a little bit before the playoffs come around mm-hmm. to shake off any potential rust. Yeah. Uh, how wild would it be? You lose Bakhtiari before the playoffs last year. So he, you know, played a full season and not in the playoffs this year. I, I could see a scenario where, you know, like, like you just said, hopefully he gets in for something in the regular season, but <laughs> instead they get him back for that Tampa Bay game that they didn't have him for last year, possibly in the divisional round or in the, in the uh, NFC championship game and, and contributes. Cause uh, I think we all agree that if they'd had Bakhtiari, they might've beaten Tampa, right? Like we think that's still, that's still a big deal in, in that loss. And Tom Brady will yep. also test positive for COVID. Oh yes, <laughs> That will definitely happen. We got, we got one more question. Uh, Schlong Connery, of course, does the new cap figure change any opinions on a, on a DA extension or other potential free agents returning? Big Bob probably got a lot cheaper at least. Also, Shlong Connery, thank you for the electronics recommendation. That was a fantastic suggestion and saved me a lot of money. Appreciate it. Um, I don't think Devontae Adams wants to be a Packer after this year, and I don't think he's going to sign any extension with them. That is my read of the room. I don't, Tyler, any disagreements? I think he wants wide receiver one money. Yep. Like he wants to be the highest paid wide receiver. The problem with that is that the Cardinals paid DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins. Yep. way too much money. Uh, that really stinks. I think he does love playing with Rogers, but if Rogers is gone as well, I don't see how he wants to stay. Yeah, the incentives just aren't going to be there if Rogers is gone, and uh, I think Rogers will be gone, and then Adams, I think, will want to pick his situation, and uh, so I think you can kind of count on him not be signing an extension. Yeah, you could probably get Bob back. Uh, I think that's probably possible. Not, I'm not sure you want Bob back, but uh, it, he's there if you, he's there if you want him. There are way too many guys that are pending free agents that take priority over that. Yep. Uh, that'll be a luxury if that happens, and he'll be super cheap if it happens. So Bob's just a guy, I'm pretty sure, at this point. Has the forecast changed for you at all for next year's Packers team, where they may not have Rodgers or Adams because the defense is better than I think everybody thought? Is it possible they're still good in this division? Maybe? So, yes. I do think it's possible. I also do think that Matt LaFleur is capable of scheming an average offense out of less than great talent. Um, and you can make something out of that. Uh, the other, but here's what you got to be wary of on the Packer defense is defenses are not stable from year to year. They're, they're very, very unstable. We have a lot of data on this. And the fact that they're having a good year this year uh, is going to lead a lot of people to think, oh, well, they maybe can parlay this into having another dominant year next year it's probably more likely that they come back to earth a little bit and are more average next year um, than they are this year. And so you got to be wary of that kind of thing and counting on the defense being good. Maybe, uh, but but not. I, I think that the, the division sucks. That, that's the one thing they have going for them. Detroit's not going to be better. Um, they're tanking hard. They'll be better maybe in a few years, but certainly not next year. The Bears are just going to be a complete disaster. And uh, the Vikings have their own problems. Um, they... Uh, they're the biggest threat out there. They have a decent base of talent, but they have salary cap problems. Kirk Cousins makes way too much money next year, and they will have to make a decision on um, what to do at the quarterback position. Uh, if they decide to go with Kellen Mond, they will instantly become terrible as well. Even if they have Kirk Cousins, you know, with the ceiling on Kirk is talented but stupid, and they only get you so far. So um, the Packers will have a shot, even if they're significantly worse. 
Minnesota's smart. They try to go all in next year just because if Rodgers and Adams are gone, it's the year to win the division. Yeah. Uh, problem is they're probably not going to be that smart. And they also, I keep hearing that talks that they might fire Zimmer. So if they're trying to run with a first-year head coach next season, I just I can't see that. I think with the seventh playoff team, there's a shot at the Packers with Jordan Love can't squeak into the playoffs. Yeah. I just think if that's going to happen, they have to draft really well again. Yeah, yeah. Agreed on that front. I, I'd i be curious if they do what the Bears have done and bring in a bridge quarterback to get Jordan Love fully up to speed. And, I mean, I'm sure they'd love to just turn it over to Jordan Love, but, like... <laughs> I think at this I point, know. I don't know. You got to turn it over to him and see what you got. And if you know if he sucks, then you move on. And if he doesn't suck, then hey, you're great. But uh, I think it's time for that. And it's a good season to bet it on because it's it's a bad cap season. It's it's a weak competition season across the division. Uh, he's not going to have a better chance. And uh, you okay. got you got to learn sometime. And now's the time. He'll he'll have a good offensive line. Yeah, he will. All right, um, that that will wrap it up for us. So um, thanks to Ruth for joining us. Tyler, do you have anything you would like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, I made some people on Acme Packing Company mad, but you know I do weekly film study pieces for those on Tuesday nights or Wednesday mornings. Uh, but this week I got some people upset because since there was no game, I talked about some draft prospects this year. I love draft season, my favorite time of year. Check that out. I broke down about five different players. Um, the Packers, you know, have a good fit for, including a guy that I'm going to continue to pound the table for now that I've watched him. It's Baylor's uh, defensive back, Jalen Petrie, uh, some guy that's a Shannon Sullivan, Henry Black replacement. You hear those two names and hear upgrade, you know, it sounds good. <laughs> yes, let's so I'll pound the, them. Yeah, I will pound the table for that guy. Uh, that's all I got right now. You can follow me on Twitter at Tyler D. Brook, uh, Brook with an E. That's why I go by Brookie. <laughs> Excellent. All right, JR, anything from you? I, I feel bad. Like Henry Black, I'm only going to think of him as the guy who allowed that touchdown to Kyle Juszczyk in the 49ers game. Like that was his biggest contribution. And I mean, they needed that win. Like every win is going to matter here. So, uh, but that's unfortunately how I'm picturing Henry Black. Um, I, gosh, I'm in another drought. It is, it is my favorite time of year. Well, my favorite time of year is baseball season, but tiebreaker season is, has arrived. So oh, I, yeah. I did post something at jsonline.com. It's kind of straightforward, kind of a drag, in fact, because they do have head-to-head -head victories over the Rams and Cardinals. So there's fewer, you know, there's fewer crazy scenarios. The Packers don't really have an edge. Uh, the Buccaneers are tied with them right now. The Packers don't really have an edge over them. If, 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 um, I should say that the Cowboys, the Cowboys are a game back. The Packers don't have an edge over them. If the Cowboys end up tied with the Packers, they're probably going to get a higher seed right now. They do have the edge over the Buccaneers, but I would recommend that the Packers win all five of their remaining games because, <laughs> uh, because Tampa, man, Tampa's if right you, there again. Aren't if they? you leave anything to chance against the, the Buccaneers, you will lose to the Buccaneers. That is the yeah. rule of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I guess there'll be a debate at some point. If those two teams at the Packers and Bucks end up on a target for the NFC championship game, do you prefer if that game is in Tampa? I mean, it was it wasn't last year. We saw what happened, but it easily could have been a Packers win. They they didn't play well there in the regular season that last year, but you know, it's a warmer climate. It might be a little bit better, more hospitable in uh, I don't like I don't I don't like watching them play in Florida. Some just some yeah. bad juju out there, even week one this year. Uh, also, there's nothing like a playoff game in Lambeau. Are you kidding me? I hope every single playoff game is in Lambeau. Yeah, I, I'm a little choosier than that just because I've frozen my ass off at a few Giants games. But uh, <laughs> I, I do not like Tampa uh, as a stadium. And I actually think some mess might actually hurt the Bucks a little bit more than it does the Packers. A little, little worse track out there. Um, maybe an advantage to uh, the team with A.J. Dillon going downhill. 
uh, versus the more precision receivers uh, and whatnot. So yeah. Yep. So anyway, I'll try to keep. I'll do a tiebreaker thing after every week's game, uh, weeks weeks worth of games to uh, to see where the Packers stand. Uh, Bucks podcast, point forward podcast with Jim Ozarski went live on Tuesday morning. You can check that out if you'd like. Bucks uh, Bucks are doing really well right now, winning the vast majority of their games, including Monday night against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, and yeah, that's it's slow. I'm slow. I'm All just. Right. I'm feeling the winter, man. It's just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel that same, you know, your bucks are doing well, but the uh, Indiana Pacers, they are not. And that is yeah. making me very sad. It has not gone well. They have not, they have not gone well. No, they have not. Three coaches uh, in three years doesn't help, but more than that, it's just, and I, I want the Pacers to do well. Those small market success stories like that, that's good for, t- you know, for other small market success is. stories, but yeah. And Malcolm Brogdon, obviously big, big fan of him, but mm, it's tough. All right. Well, I have my Shepherd Express column going up right now. Um, I made fun of the shareholder portion of the Packer Pro Shop this weekend. If you missed that, that that's up great. at Acme Packing Company. Um, if you are a new shareholder, you should definitely check it out. Um, I got the reactions I normally do, which was agreeing it was funny and also buying a bunch of um, stupid <laughs> merchandise that is in there. So good, good for everybody there. Um, we'll have the uh, mini pod doing the statistical preview this week, though it will just be a slaughter. So uh, tune in for that if you want. <laughs> And uh, I will also get back on board doing the Tech Mobile simulation this week, too, because it'll be a fun yeah. one. So um, enjoy that. Keep an eye out for it. And uh, enjoy the game on Sunday night. Fire wasn't terrible, but couldn't give his team a lift. Mike was lost in all the fog. Not seeing him was such a gift. Eric Kramer, mediocre, ruled Chicago and Detroit. Slash the scary dual threat was too much for Dick to exploit. Josh played for 10 teams, saved his best for the Windy City. Walsh lost out to Aikman and was forced to settle. What a pity. Shane was happy backing up. Comma Francis of Assisi. Everyone is better off when hanging on to Brian Creasy. Rexy chucked the ball downfield and always, always very risky. Every pass was still better than passing Pat for Mitch Trubisky. Harbaugh likes khaki pants. Michigan's finest. Jay Cutler, you're the best. I chose you to end this list. Eighty-eight lines, about forty-four quarterbacks to play for the Bears since nineteen eighty-five.